Howdy, hey, Randall K. coming to you live from magnificent Middle Tennessee on this Sunday evening. And, uh, yeah, why I've got yesterday's show title up there, I don't know. That shouldn't be doing that. Let's see if we can get rid of that. There we go. Put my name up. This thing's been flaky lately. Anyway, so today is uh, Sunday, March 7th of the year of our Lord, 2021, 2021, and I'm uh, glad you could join me this evening. Uh, I want to make sure that everything is out uh, streaming as it ought to be, because earlier today our internet service provider uh, ha was having issues. There were outages in this area, and so let me make sure that all is well. My trackball is being funky too. Alright. Alright, that looks like that's going alright. Good in Periscope World. We're good on Facebook, it looks like. And uh, YouTube's looking good. And uh, even Twitch is cooperating. Alright, very good. Alright, so now I'm going to gracefully fade out this music because I can and uh, we'll get into tonight. That wasn't very graceful was it because I wasn't watching. You know it's hard you know if I had, had a real fader instead of these uh, you know instead of the volume mixer and windows to gracefully fade something out would be better. And it's kind of challenged doing this uh, all solo um, you know managing all the tech and being the um, on-screen host as well. And that's enough of my name. I'm tired of seeing my name. Let's make that go away, shall we? Just like that. All right, so uh, there was a request in the Daily Disciples group, our Daily Disciples group on Facebook. If you're not part of that, you can um, find that on Facebook and request to join uh, the other disciples who are in there. And one of the things that we do is uh, daily Bible reading, um, Sunday through Saturday, and uh, two passages a day. And recently, well, just this, well, this afternoon, I guess, uh, we finished up First uh, Corinthians. And uh, Natasha, thanks for reading this uh, this afternoon, reading the last chapter, First Corinthians sixteen concluding that and I launched into our next book which is First uh, Samuel or Samuel and did that earlier this afternoon but all that to say that during uh, last week's reading probably was sometime last week whoops it looks like I am frozen and I don't know what's with this camera lately but uh, you'll see me looking off there while I Try to adjust. Uh, see if I can jump start this camera. See so it comes back. Yep. I'm back for a little while. Ah, uh, boy, I don't know if it's a USB hub issue or it's uh, 
the camera issue or what it is, but something to get fixed. Yes, just using USB camera, just a little webcam, folks. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's locked up again. Well, hopefully, when we get to the uh, the scripture for tonight, I can just keep myself off screen and just do the slides. All right, here I am again. Maybe I should switch cameras. I'm going to do that. Reach across the table here and grab um, Stacy Lynn's camera. Move it over to this side. And let's see about... Let's see, we'll add the other camera. Video capture. Their webcam, very good. And um, pull that down here. We'll get rid of that one. And uh, wow, this camera is a lot different in terms of its. Um, I'm going to move this along. Pull this. Something like that. Nah, still not there. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's go with this. Watch this. Boom. Switch over to this camera. My big head. Uh, this, is, this is a 720 camera versus a 1080. So it is what it is. And you see I look a lot more washed out with it. But be that as it may. Let's, uh, let's continue, shall we? So, <laughs> before I lose my train of thought entirely... Let not this tech distract me. So, last week, I believe it was Stacy Lynn, your sweet and lovable host, who read for you 1 Corinthians chapters 6 and 7. And um, Jerry had commented on there, asking, uh, hinting that maybe I should do a teaching on those chapters. But uh, that's a lot to take in, 6 and 7. And even chapter 6 is a lot to take in. As I was doing some preparation this afternoon, I thought, you know, this this could be a week of messages, uh, you know, days of messages. In the case of this Sunday in the scriptures here on Bible News Radio, I mean, it could be weeks. You know, just one hour on a Sunday uh, could last for a few months, actually. But I'm going to do my best, which isn't very good, as you know, when it comes to going through the scripture, uh, in terms of going through it at a fairly quick pace. pace I will uh, use my slides, and hopefully they'll keep me moving. So, what I'm going to, be going to do now is make sure that I'm not missing any comments from anyone. I see art. Uh, somebody and uh, a few other folks out there on Periscope and uh, oh, weren't frozen? Okay. Uh, what's the name of your Bible Disciples of Faith group? It's called uh, Daily Disciples. Uh, Joey, Daily Disciples. And it's got uh, some purplish 
uh, artwork because I think there's another Daily Disciples, but it's strictly a women's group. But the Daily Disciples, um, it's got the purplish artwork and it mentions Bible News Radio. That's the one. And um, YouTube, Twitch, all right, all good. Folks are quite out there. If you are watching, uh, be sure to, you know, say hello so I can give you a shout out. And um, if you're watching the replay, hashtag replay. Um, so we don't feel bad that we missed your comment. Uh, Daily Disciples, yeah. Um, I can't get to it right now from where I'm at, but yeah, it should be pretty clear from the description which one it is. All right, so where are my slides? There are my slides. Very good. So let me rig up. Make sure my slides are on screen here. And Right, that should be fine. All right, there we go. And I'm going to take my picture-in-picture picture off there as well. No need to have that. All right. Tonight's episode is... Flee sexual, sexual immorality, a call to biblical sexuality, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And so uh, let us pray, then we'll get into it. Father God, thank you for your glory and your grace, your patience, your faithfulness, your truth that you're revealed to us just by your Spirit, but also in the Scriptures. God, we pray that as we read, uh, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, certainly spirits that are, are receptive to your spirit, uh, that the things we find in your word we might take to heart, and uh, you would use this time to conform us into the image of your own dear son, the Master Yeshua Messiah in whose worthy name we pray. All right, we start out here. Yeah, we do. Uh, with, uh, with the first verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where we read, Does any one of you having a matter against another dare to be judged before the, war, before the unjust... And not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints will be judged, will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you unworthy of small judgments? Do you not know that we shall judge angels, not to speak of this life? If then you truly have judgments of this life, those being least esteemed in the assembly, you see these as judges. For I speak shame to you. So is there not a wise one among you? Not even one who will be able to give judgment on his brother in your midst? 
but brother is judged with brother, and this before unbelievers. Indeed, then, there is already a failure with you all, that you have lawsuits with yourselves. Why not instead be wronged? Why not instead be defrauded? So here in this church in Corinth, in this first century church, uh, one of the things that uh, Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, takes issue with is that they are taking each other to court. Um, lawsuits aren't something in the 21st or 20th or, or uh, you know, 19th, 18th century. Things go back to the first century and before. You know, there were there were judicial systems. And if one person was, you know, uh, felt wronged or defrauded by someone else, um, they could take them to uh, appear before a magistrate, before a judge, and have the case judged. And Paul has a couple of uh, rebukes here. One is that they're taking these cases before unbelievers, before the you know the civil courts of that time, under the auspices of the Roman Empire, uh, that are they're not <laughs> they're not Christians running the Roman Empire, the Roman courts, you know they're unbelievers, and. And the long tradition, uh, going back in Scripture, even going back to Exodus at the time of uh, Moses, you know, in the wilderness, people came to him for ju to be uh, for judging their disputes between one another. And then we read about Yethro or his father-in-law suggesting that he pick some worthy men. Uh, you know, making them uh, judges and overseers of of fifties and hundreds and things like that, so he doesn't have to. So Moses wasn't inundated, you know, sunrise to sunset, hearing all these cases that there are other judges that could hear and and make judgment in these disputes, and then the really tough cases come under Moses. Anyway, all that to say that. Um, judging um, between um, uh, either Christians or you know followers of God is is not new. I mean, it goes back to fourteen hundred BC at least. Um, but you know, it's we see that within uh, the body going to the priests for judgment and we read in acts and other places where in establishing churches um planting churches in those places um elders were uh, appointed you know overseers appointed uh to guard the flock to to teach them and to um, handle things that would come up. So there was no reason for these believers in Corinth to take their 
issues that came up before uh, unbelieving courts. Um, that's one thing. The the second thing he's upset about is well, <laughs> there shouldn't be a matter of going to court. Why why are you defrauding one another? Why are you wronging each other? You know that's that's hardly something that ought to be going on in the body of Christ, in the assembly of believers. And then if it does happen, you know, someone does feel wronged, uh, whether, whether truly or not, he says, um, what, yeah, I'm trying to, don't have verses here, so going a little more than midway through, he says, so is there not a wise one among you, not even one who will be able to give judgment on his brother in your midst? But brother is judged with brother, and this before unbelievers. Indeed, then, there is already a failure with you all, that you have lawsuits with yourselves. And besides not wronging and defrauding each other, one way to put that to an end, he says, why not instead be wronged? Why not instead be defrauded? Basically, what what's going wrong here is <laughs> there are a number of things. Starting at the top, again, you're, you're taking your disputes amongst one another, believer to believer, to unbelievers to judge the case. That's a problem. And then a step down from there, well, wait a second, why are you defrauding and wronging each other in the first place? That's, that's a real problem. And if you, and if you are wronged and defrauded, why not just let it be? Uh, why not instead be wrong? Why not instead be defrauded? You know, suck it up, buttercup, and, you know, just deal with it. But then you're thinking, well, that's not right. So-and-so shouldn't get away with doing this to me or doing that to me or taking that from me or whatever. Um, as I titled the slide, it's signs of selfishness. You did me wrong. You're going to, you have to make it right by me. Um, and it, it's uh, these cases and even taking them before unbelievers the civil courts of the roman empire is evidence that it's about me and my rights and and setting things right from from my point of view but you're thinking well if there truly are wrongers defrauders somebody ripping you off uh whatever it is or and they're responsible for uh, injury or loss of property, whatever, you know, we'll just let them get away with it? Is that right? You know, that doesn't seem right, does it? Just uh, that they would get away with it? Well, you, no, that's not right if they're unrepentant. And the way to truly right wrongs uh, is not by going to unbelievers. Uh, in the civil courts. Yeshua told us, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those cursing you, do well to those hating you, and pray for those abusing and persecuting you. That's the way to deal with <laughs> enemies, those 
you know, causing defrauding you or, you know, cursing you or hating you is to love them, bless them, pray for them. That's the way to right that wrong. And and paraphrasing the Messiah uh, and, uh, and other parts in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. If possible, from you, being in peace with all men, not avenging yourselves, beloved, but giving place to wrath, for it has been written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Then, if one hostile to you hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For doing this, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. And basically what the Lord, Yeshua, Messiah said, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Remember such things in the Sermon on the Mount, like if someone compels you to go a mile, go with him too. If someone would take away your your outer garment, give him your inner garment as well. You know, overcome evil with good. Not to fight evil with evil or one-up them. Um, that, um, you know, you caused me to lose this. I'm going to take that plus 10% or whatever, you know, that... You know, you have to pay now. The way to short-circuit evil is not to come back out of more evil, is but to overcome it with good. You know, you can disarm evil if someone is hating you, you know, uh, abusing you, if you match it with love, not, not, uh, not codependence enabling, but with true love, and praying for them, that can put an end. You know, as it's been said, if if one will not, two cannot. You know, whether that's in marriage or any other relationship, if one will not, two cannot. If if one will not fight and argue, and then two cannot. Then it's just one sided, and that doesn't last long. Uh, one person can't argue. They can, or, you know, argue is kind of a, not the best word. One can't carry on a heated verbal discussion. They can only give one side and, you know, if they don't get anything back, then it's not going, it shouldn't escalate. If it does, person's got something wrong with them, but still... Vengeance belongs to the Lord, and as far as possible with us, that doesn't mean, well, you know, my, my fuse is only so long. No, whatever we can possibly do, you know, be at peace with all people, and don't, uh, don't combat evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. So, the fact that these uh, believers at Corinth. Uh, Joey, what platform am I using for the lower third scrolling, etc.? I'm using Wirecast as a video mixer. And then, um, I guess none of the titles on screen now, but I have 
titles that come in from Titler Live, like this one. Anyway, um, hello, brother. Says Thunder Thun Thundet Seven. So you and uh, YouTube, you people are quiet out there in YouTube. But I see that you're watching. Thank you for watching anyway. You don't have to say anything, but if I knew who you were, I'd, I would say hello by name. So what these things indicated to um, Paul is that these folks are taking each other to court, uh, suing each other, is their selfishness that... Uh, they're not about to be wrong. They're going to pay. You know, vengeance is mine, says the one wronged. And I'm going to I'm gonna sue you. You know, I'm going to make sure you pay for hurting me, which is, is not a Christian position, certainly not something that Messiah Yeshua taught. But there are more evidences of of selfishness that we find amongst this church. All right. Why is this not... My slides are not advancing. What's the deal? There we go. But you're thinking, you know, so, you know, but what if I do that? If I, I overcome evil, they're getting away with it still. They've still done some wrong, getting away with it. No. Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man may sow, that he also will reap. For the one sowing to his flesh will reap corruption of the flesh. But the one sowing to the spirit will reap everlasting life from the spirit. But we should not weaken in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not faint. So then as we have time, let us work a good toward all, toward, toward all, easy for me to say, and especially toward the household of faith. So we should be working good toward all and especially, especially the household of faith, fellow believers. So, you know, the wrongdoer, if they're unrepentant, they'll, uh, you know, if they sow the flesh, they'll reap, of uh, the flesh, reap corruption. But in us, overcoming evil with good, being at peace to all, doing good to all, we are, um, you know, racking up, so to speak, and building up our character. You know, we're we're sowing to the Spirit, and of the Spirit, reaping everlasting life. Well, we already have it, everlasting life, but that that character, you know, working out our salvation, you know, sanctification, our spiritual growth happens when we don't lower ourselves to other people's level of being... Uh, of being abusers, of being wrongdoers and defrauders. 
And so you're thinking, okay, where, where does flea sexual morality come in? Well, I've wanted to cover these first verses of 1 Corinthians because remember, these epistles are a continuous letter. There weren't chapters. And so these thoughts go together. Paul is looking at this congregation that is um, that is selfish. They they are wronging, defrauding each other. He says, "Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Um, don't don't try to repeat pay evil with evil. You know, let it go and be like Yeshua, Jesus, Messiah, who taught to you know to pray and to." Do good to those who hate you, etc. What follows is well are more evidences of this wrongdoing and defrauding that is going on. He says, But you do wrong and defraud, and these things to brothers. Well, okay, in what sort of ways? Or do you not know that the unjust ones will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be led astray, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous ones, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor plunderers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Here's a list of ways, not exhaustive, for sure, but here are some ways that you, the believers in Corinth, or at least members of the, uh, you know, assembly members of the church at Corinth, here are a list of ways that you are wronging and defrauding one another. You do wrong and defraud, and you do these things even to brothers. And then that list. And so we're going to go through that list. And I'll try not to take too much time. Um, each one of them, again, could be its own message. But so we get a, uh, a good understanding of, you know, a good overview of the list of things that are listed here. Um you're follow, you are following the church. Uh, you're not following Jesus. Please be punished. Who's not? Yeah, you're not following Jesus. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're involved in any of those things. Hey, hi Natasha. Blessings to you. All right, back to our text. Where's my... Here we go. All right. You do wrong, and you do defraud each other, and here's this list of things. So, let's take a look at these. Ways of the defrauding and uh, and wronging one another. And I just used the alliteration there, definitions of defrauding. Uh, fornicators. There, The Greek word in the original text is pornoi. Uh, you should be able to recognize that um, word from which we get, you know, similar uh, English words from is pornography. Um, 
um, pornoi and all these words are plural uh, because it's referring to you know groups of people or practices and he talks about those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God so these are all plural in the Greek fornicators pornoi and that means those who prostitute themselves and that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean uh, you know for pay in and in a in a an occupational sort of way it just means uh indiscriminate sexual sexual activity promiscuous and you you might be thinking well how much is you know how where does promiscuity you know what does promis you know what is promiscuity when is one promiscuous is that when they have more than two partners a year or is it you know is it more than one partner a month or you know what well by the biblical definition promiscuous is with someone who isn't your spouse having sexual relations with someone who isn't your spouse and we can go back to the gospels when um, the religious leaders came to Yeshua, to Jesus, and brought up the issue of divorce, uh, because there were two schools of divorce uh, from uh, from Hillel, and I'm trying to think of the other uh, rabbi. Was it uh, Machmanides? I don't know. Can't remember. But, you know, they were always looking to trip up uh, Yeshua, Jesus. And, and it says as much uh, in the original uh, text in the Greek that none of the questions were ever sincere coming from the religious leaders. But they were looking for ways to um, trap him in something or that he would say something that would uh, bring about uh, contention. So they brought up controversial subjects like, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And like, oh, whatever he says, he's going to, you know, because these, there's the folks here, the zealots who, you know, ready to overthrow the Roman Empire. And he says, pay taxes is good, you know, and, and if he says it's not, then we've got these other people, you know, we've got him now, we've trapped him. Um, you know, whatever he says, but he kind of blew them away with his answer. Um and one of these things, they came to him with the question of divorce. There's one school of thought that said divorce should only be for sexual impurity. Like if if, uh, if a woman is unfaithful to her husband, then, then yes, write her a certificate of divorce. And the other one was a little more uh, loose interpretation of scripture that if she, un, you know, because the scripture talks about uncleanness uh, in the Torah, and they and uh, there's another school of thought that said, well, uncleanness means kind of anything at all, anything that would dissatisfy you. And so they come to Yeshua knowing that there are these um, uh, controversial, you know, opinions. But let's see where he comes down and see if we can start some sort of, you know, um, riot or something and make him responsible. And they, you know, so they ask him, is it is it lawful for a a man to divorce his wife for just any reason and and the answer he gives basically says that you're you're coming to me with and I'm grossly paraphrasing but when you see how he responds you get this is the you know this is the motivation behind it 
basically this this isn't a man-made thing it's not about this rabbi versus that rabbi and their opinion and their interpretation of scripture you're coming at me and you are approaching as if marriage holy matrimony is some man-made invention or uh, institution he takes them back to the scripture have you not read in the beginning god created the male and female you know, said the man shall leave his father and mother, and the woman cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So that what God has joined, let not man separate. Um, it's not a human institution. It's something that is, it's God-ordained, and his design is that the two become one flesh, and it's not to be separated. So that's, anyway, that's the biblical design for human sexuality is the one man and the one woman for life. And so getting back to this list of things, the way that the Corinthian church was wronging, defrauding each other, one of these was, be, he says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, that is who those who are uh you know, practicing indiscriminate sexual activity, they're promiscuous. Promiscuous is if, hey, if it's if the person is not their spouse, uh, they're being promiscuous. If they're, you know, especially you know anything beyond that, two partners a year, you know, three partners a year, uh, you know, that's that's those are fornicators, idolaters, uh, idolat. I do lol uh, try in the Greek. Um, had to slow down there. It's a lot of letters. I do lala try. Or I missed the accent there. I do la I do la la try. Um, that would be those serving or worshiping an image, an idol, giving allegiance to another god. Um, and again, all these things are not things Paul has invented. These, these, this isn't just New Testament theology. This goes back, you know, to the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, the first one, um, the seventh commandment, you know, um, thou shalt not commit adultery. We'll go there, but, um, you know, second one, you know, you shall know the gods before me, you know, shall not make a graven image or, you know, anything, to bow down to it and so of course we don't have that these days uh yeah we do there are an idol is basically something that's set up as a rival to god that yeah i worship god but i also give allegiance to this thing over here and depending on what day of the week it is you know um you know, i can set aside god for this i can set a, my set aside my worship of god to worship this thing you know, if it's, if it's, you know, going to church or watching the Super Bowl, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta watch the Super Bowl. That's only once a year. And, um, at that time of the year, God comes above. I'm not speaking to myself. This is the kind of rationale that people give that you know, that's, that's idolatrous. Um, that is serving some other God on par with, or, you know, even, even not on par with and certainly this time in the first century a pagan society filled filled with temples 
to Greek and Roman gods and other gods. We did a little, little this, little that. Yeah, yeah, I'm part of this fellowship in Corinth. Yeah, I'm, I believe in Jesus, but I still do a little bit of this. Cause, and that's that's a divided house. That's um, that's fragmented, and so that would be an idolater. This is idolaters. Idolaters are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Adulterers. Moikoi uh, in the in the Greek, and basically, literally, it talks about those who are guilty with a married woman. Guilty of what? Well, of infidelity. Infidelity isn't always sexual. You know, it doesn't always involve uh, sexual relations. It can be emotional, where there is uh, a man with some woman that is not his spouse uh is there in the masculine um but i can see certainly if it's a woman with a married man um that's not good either because that goes against again god's plan going back male and female god is joined together let not my, let not man separate male prostitutes there is some controversy on this word uh, the Greek word malakoi, uh, which basically means soft. It can refer to a, a material, something being soft. It can refer to a person being compliant or yielding. Uh, this particular translator, J.P. Green, in the literal version, look at it, he decides it's male prostitutes because that term uh, has referred to those in... Um, in uh, idolatrous worship and or, uh, well, just and as well as those who, um, um, yeah, occupationally giving themselves out. And also, and often in the first century in the Roman Empire, and after their younger men, boys or younger men that were uh, hired out to older men for gross things. And so, um, but, um, so some would, advocates for same-sex relationships, would say that, well, this isn't condemning just same-sex same-sex relationships is specifically those uh, vocational, those occupational um, people engaged in, in same-sex activities. These male prostitutes is condemning this. But there is another word uh, that follows, arsakonoitai, arsakonoitai. You can almost see... Uh, what it's referring to, you know, we have the um, English, we talk about coitus and coital relationships. Uh, and the the arsenal there, that's not like, that's not like the Brits talking about arse. Um, <laughs> kind of put it that way. Uh, and you'd come to the right conclusion, but that's not where the arsenal of the Greek comes from. Um, it's... It, it's a compound word like 
man and, and bed, as in bedding, as in coitus, you know, marital bed. And it it's talking about sodomy, plain and simple. Um, male to male sexual activity, those practicing sodomy. And if and if it's not clear enough here, uh, in uh, his epistle in First Timothy, um, I'm trying to think uh, chapter and verse right now. I could probably look it up later. But Paul again talking about the sinfulness of homosexuality, and you can read Romans chapter one, and it's again certainly uh, consistent going back with the Torah and Leviticus 18. And in fact, Leviticus 18, interesting, because I just finished uh, reading Leviticus. In Leviticus 18, it talks about not just homosexuality, but incest and bestiality, all of these sexual relationships outside of the God-ordained one man, one woman uh, for life. You know, it talks about polygamy, etc., um, and it says there at the end of the chapter, don't do these things, don't be, uh, don't do these things that they did in Mitzrayim in Egypt, nor that they do, they're doing in Canaan, where I'm sending you to, basically this stuff is rampant in unbelieving cultures, is sexual immorality, don't do these things lest you be vomited out of the land like like the people who I'm driving out before you. Uh, the idea is there is not just that it violates God's particular brand of morality, his moral rules, but that it you know, the land vomits that out. It it's 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 destructive to civilization. Uh the nuclear family is the you know, building block of civilization. Uh, mother, father, their children, and outside of that deteriorates that that loving bond of humanity, where you know where it gets nurtured and originates in that nuclear family. You start getting the you know surrogate mothers and sperm donors and. And all this stuff and polygamy and homosexuality and promiscuity and all these things, it just breaks down civilization. Something that ought to be, you know, two, two, just two, not three or four or five or three and a half and donor from egg donor and sperm donor and surrogates and the two becoming one flesh there's no longer two and there's no longer one flesh it's it's a scattered defragmented and and Leviticus 18 and other places like the one we're looking at saying these this sexual immorality is is destructive um Paul carrying it to the not just the temporal the land will vomit you out and it's gonna it degrades and destroys um, civilization, but that those who practice these things, those who are identified by these behaviors, are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Eternal life does not await them. 
So fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, kleptai. You've heard of kleptomaniacs. Thieves means what it steal. What it means. Thieves, those who steal things. Uh, what? Cars, uh, boats, planes, money. No, just steal. To take anything not belonging to you that you don't have rights to, um, that you don't have ownership of, that's, that's a thief. Thieves, those characterized, identified as thieves, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Covetous ones, um, um, let me go slow here. Pleonectai. Basically, it means avaricious or greedy. Those who always want more, more, more. You know, they're not... You know, they've got to get a bigger garage to fit in more of their toys. And that's not... Always have to have the latest, the greatest, the best, and more and more. Um, Because that's not being satisfied with what God gives. Is it okay to have things? Sure. As long as the things don't have you, that you're not living for them. Gotta have that, gotta have that. Paul says, you know, having food and clothing, let us be content. And the often taken out of context, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context is Paul is talking about uh, gifts, donations from the Philippian church and how they were the only one to gave to the ministry at that particular season and he said not that I'm you know I'm coming from place of want I'm thanking for not because I have need but because it was gracious of you to give and he said I've learned to be content in all things I've learned how to I've learned how abound and I've learned how to be abased I've learned to have plenty and want you know I've been in economic situations where, you know, every need and then some was met. And I've been in situations that were kind of scarce. But I've learned to be content in all of them because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then it doesn't mean I can pull vault, you know, 20 feet or whatever. I can do this or win this. You know, I can do all things through Christ. I can win this athletic competition. That's not the context is... No matter what my material circumstances are, I can do all things. I can I can get through it um, because Christ strengthens me and his provision, his grace is enough. And so uh, those who are covetous ones, avaricious, you've got to have more, more, more. Well, they're... Um, they're not content in what God supplies. It's really rejecting him. And going back to Ten Commandments, again, number ten, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, etc., etc., etc. You know, wanting more and more, that's those will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, we're almost done here through this list. All right, drunkards. Um... Uh, 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 or methusai in the Greek basically is those who are under the influence of intoxicants uh, tipsy 
you might say, in sort of um, older circles. Basically, that that characterizes their life. That they, um, you know, gotta have it, and often they won't say they have to have it. It's just something they choose to do, you know. But in essence, they can't get through a day without the alcohol. Um, scripture tells us here they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revilers. Um, Loitheroi in the Greek um, basically means verbal abusers. People that will, that characterizes their life, is they're just demeaning people verbally, you know, ripping them a new one. And that's the way they go through their lives. You know, they're, they, they're known for that, being a verbal abuser. Uh, those shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Plunderers, um, rapacious, extortioners, robbers, and the the root word there, we talk about the rapture, harpazo, uh, harpaz, to, to, to seize, to lay hold forcefully. Uh, plunderers here is uh, arpages. Um, basically, they, well, those things, they're robbers. Extortioners, they take things forcefully. You know, there's a difference between theft and robbery, not only in the English language, but in the judicial system as well. Theft is stealing something. We look at thieves. Uh, robbing is to take something by force. Gunpoint, you know, armed robbery, aggravated, you know, uh, robbery, you know, things that it's taking by force, confronting someone. If someone breaks into your house and steals something, uh, that's theft. It's not a robbery. A robbery is they break in your house, they confront you, um, tie you up, whatever, tell you, you know, take all the money out of the safe, whatever. That's a robbery. And so robbers, be they, whether they be professional or otherwise, they just, just, forcefully taking things um, are ones that won't inherit the kingdom of God. I think about, um, I don't know how long ago when we were looking at, um, I know at one time we were looking at, I think it's Luke's gospel. I don't know, there may be more than, more, more than one gospel. Anyway, where I've seen just butcher commentaries on it, when the text is pretty clear when Yeshua said from the time of John the Baptist until now um, uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force they do that harp pot so they take away and and it's clear he's saying that from the time of John the Baptist that means from the time of John the Baptist not time immemorial from the time John the Baptist, John came baptizing. It wasn't a bap the Baptist until he started baptizing and calling to repentance. Until now, the time Jesus was speaking, from the time John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of, kingdom of God suffers violence. What kind of violence? Well, they were getting it from the uh, from the Pharisees primarily, the Sadducees as well, 
and the violent take it by force. What the kingdom of God? People were coming, responding to John, being baptized. People were coming to Jesus, responding to his message. But the religious leaders in particular were doing everything they could to dissuade those people from either coming to John or to Jesus. They were taking the kingdom of God by force. It's like they were suffering violence because they weren't representing the kingdom, especially with the king of you know the king of the kingdom of heavens being in their presence they were doing him violence and uh, his kingdom violence and they were taking it by force they weren't letting uh they were inhibiting people from coming into the kingdom uh by their words by their actions um so that's one other type of robber it's whatever it is to take forcefully all right um, hurrying here. Uh, where is, yeah, so delivery from defrauding. I love verse 11. And some were, and some of you were these things, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. That, that once having practiced these things doesn't exclude someone from the kingdom of God, cut them off from eternal life forever. Such were some of you. Some of you were these things. You did practice these things, but you were washed. You were sanctified. Um, you were justified you were made right set right in the name of the lord jesus and in the spirit of our god that he delivers from these things and and that it was a past life for these people the dangerous things is going back to the list for a moment if someone says well i'm a fornicating christian i'm an idolater you know i'm an idolater christian you know i'm an adulterer christian i'm a i'm a homosexual christian or a gay christian i'm a thieving christian i'm a covetous christian i'm a drunk christian i'm a reviling verbal accusing christian i'm a plenty no they don't belong to you they can't coexist either you know you're an adulterer or you're a follower of christ you're not both you know, you're, you're homosexual, practicing homosexuality, or you're Christian. They don't go together. Uh, you know, they're, you're not a, you're either a fornicator, someone who's promiscuous. You have sexual relationships with someone or someones other than your spouse. That means if you're unmarried, you're having sexual relationships, then you're a fornicator. Not this is why I'm a fornicating Christian. Um, Stacy Lane could tell you stories. Um, certainly tell you names, but uh, and I don't know names either. But um, but she was a counselor on the campus of a Christian college. And I think she said all of her clients had an STD. Um, most of them. 
and and people involved in ministry in their congregations that you know they had this um um this idea that they well they can they can be a fornicating christian or whatever you know they're they're suitable for ministry after all they put their faith in jesus but they can also go mess around um they don't go together if you're practicing that sort of thing you won't inherit the kingdom of god it's got the antithesis to trusting you know salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone to think that the the very nature Well, going back to scripture, some of you were these things. Why aren't these? Because they were washed, they were sanctified, set apart, put apart from those things. They were justified, they were set right in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of God. You know, while you know, a few minutes ago we talked about sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the Spirit, those who sow to the flesh will love the flesh. We, reap corruption and those who sow to the spirit will of the spirit uh, reap everlasting life um this idea that you can sow to the flesh and sow to the spirit and still reap everlasting life is it just is nonsense it's just irrational to think that god made him yeshua jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not that we could continue in practicing everything that's contrary to following Christ and still think we're on the same train, still on the same, thinking that we're on the narrow path and going through the straight gate when we're doing the things that everybody else on the broad path that leads to destruction is doing. It just is just irrational to think that you can coexist. Uh, there are evidence from the Bible that Jesus is the messenger of God, not God or the Son of God. Uh, yeah, you can cherry pick and find things that would say that Jesus is just a messenger of God, like. You know, I can never pronounce the name, the Baha'i religion or, you know, or the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses want to make him Michael the Archangel or whatever. Brother, don't lessen on the church lesson to Jesus, peace be upon him. I don't, don't lessen to the church lesson. I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking there, my friend. But uh, yeah, the message is for the church. As as if we were going to look at 1 Corinthians 5, then those who are outside, God judges. You know, Paul's not talking about people who are homosexuals and, and adulterers and, and robbers and uh, revilers and drunkards outside of the body. I mean, he didn't expect, and I don't expect, the world to act anything but like the world. I don't expect the world to be anything but worldly. I don't expect anything 
from the people on the broad path that leads to destruction, but to do destructive things to themselves and to other people. That's human nature. We're our nature, children of wrath. I don't, and I don't condemn them um, because I was there and um, I was just doing what came naturally. And that, that's nature. The problem is that Paul is speaking to is inside the assembly of God, not the denomination, even though that the assemblies of God is a, is part of the assembly of God, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Um, those inside, whoever calls themselves a brother or a sister and is doing this or that and you know, calling themselves again in, in a sense and saying, well, I'm a fornicating Christian. Well, I'm a drunkard Christian. Well, I'm a reviling Christian. I'm a homosexual Christian. No, <laughs> no, uh, come out from, you know, among them, be you separate. What would be the whole point of coming to Christ if, if you're going to continue in the old life and the old ways of the world. And that's why Paul says, do not be deceived. Don't, uh, you're, you're, you may be fooling yourselves, but you're not fooling God. Those who practice such things uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God because they're not in the kingdom. They are still moving, behaving, moving through the kingdom of darkness uh, and the and the ways of the devil the ways of the world and they're not believers they may call themselves that but if they are continuing those practices they have not surrendered themselves to christ but praise be to God, some of them were these things. They were washed. They were sanctified. They were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. Delivery is available. Repentance is possible. Washing, sanctification, justification, all that possible in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. All right, I know I'm past the top of the hour, but I want to finish out this chapter because there are some important things here. And why, now this is again, continuing, same chapter, same letter. This isn't a shifting gears, this goes together. Paul says, all things are lawful to me, but not all things profit. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be ruled by any. That is that, well, this is foods for the belly and belly for the foods. But God will destroy both this and these. That, that there are foods for the belly and belly for the foods. There are foods for an appetite and appetite for foods. There are wrong appetites i mean there's gluttony there's um there's things that can go outside of what is natural but even there 
God will destroy both this and these. That the foods, the belly, whatever these things are, even even though there is a natural application for foods in the belly, um, even when their appetites aren't run amok, even still God will destroy both this and these. That's a temporal thing, ultimately. But the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord, and he will raise up through his power. And I think that means both in the resurrection and now raise up us out of the miry pit, out of these practices. Uh, you know, whereas we have a belly for foods and there are foods for the belly uh, that can go out of whack and taken out of proportion. The body is not for fornication. That's that's certainly not God's design. You can't find a place in Scripture where God condones something other than what we find in Genesis: a man leaving his father and mother, a woman, you know, um, leaving her home, the cleaving to her husband, and the two, you know, becoming one flesh that no man should separate. We won't find any. We'll read about we'll read about polygamy and and incest and and uh, bestiality and homosexuality and all sorts of things, but never condoned by God. The only thing that gets his approval, his only design, is that one man, one woman. So Paul can confidently say, the body is not for fornication. Whether you're a believer or not, that's not God's design. It's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord death and he will raise us up through his power uh not only from death but i think again this um worldly life but time is ticking again this any one of these things could have been weeks long all right so he says do not defile the sanctuary what do you mean do you not know that your bodies are members of christ speaking to believers again then taking the members of Christ, shall I make them members of a harlot? Let it not be. Do you not know that he being joined to the harlot is one body? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. Genesis 2.24 But the one being joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication or sexual immorality. Every sin which a man may do is outside the body. Whether it be, you know, thievery or robbery. But he doing fornication sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit in you, which you have from God, and you are not of yourselves? You were bought with a price. Then glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are of God. So quick review, if we take this whole chapter as a whole. You folks are being selfish. How do I know this? Because you're taking each other to court. 
you know, rather than first you're wronging each other, you're wronging and defrauding each other. Um, I know that because you're going to court and, and that ought not to be happening. You shouldn't be doing this to your brothers and sisters. You're not operating love. And hey, if it does happen, somebody wrongs you, why not rather be wronged? Why not just let it go? Uh, be like the Lord Yeshua who said, you know, pray for those who uh, persecute you, do good to those who hate you, etc. Um, you know, don't don't fight evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, that's the way to deal with evil, not take each other, not to sue each other. And you know what? I know that you're self and defrauding. These are hey, don't I don't want you to be deceived. Don't don't look at this thing lightly and just well we can because you go back to chapter five there was sexual morality they were tolerating like hey you know basically hey, we're we're so loving we're so accepting we even we even have this guy in a congregation who's uh having relations with his stepmother and you know we're cool with that we can it's like no gotta throw that guy out and he says don't be deceived those who practice these wrong and defrauding things that are wronging others and defrauding others, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality, thievery, robbery, um, covetous, those are all things wronging and defrauding other people. And he says, what's more... I know you're really selfish because these things that you're doing are sinning against your own body, and that's any kind of sexual immorality. And again, instead of this, oh, I'm the I'm a thieving Christian. I'm a you know, I'm a covetous Christian. I'm a homosexual Christian. I'm a reviling. No, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? And taking the member of Christ, shall I make the members of a harlot? Let it not be. The two shall become flesh. You, one flesh. You're, you know, of, of all things. He says, flee fornication. Not just stop it. Flee. Get away from it. Put as much distance as you can from it. Every sin which a man may do is outside the body. But he doing fornication sins against his own body. If there is any sort of sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage, then um, that is, you're sinning against your own body. It's defiling the sanctuary. Do you not know your body is a sanctuary, the Holy Spirit, in you? If he's in you, we've just like that temple of God, then, you know, what you have from God, your body's not of yourselves. It's God-made and God-gifted, especially with the Holy Spirit residing in you, believer. You were bought with a price. That is the precious blood of Christ. Then you should, because of that, you should glorify God in your body and your spirit. Whichever, which are of God, there's your natural body, but that's been purchased. It belongs to him now. And then he's given 
the Holy Spirit as an earnest, as a dowry of a promise of the life to come. And so you have your body, which was yours, but has been purchased with the blood of Christ. And then there's the Holy Spirit that's been given to you, residing in that body that belongs to him. That body is not to be spent on your own pleasures and selfish desires and um, and appetites. So, um, so much here, and I would like to... I would like to take time to, well, just take time with it and get into things a little more. But I hope that this overview has been helpful. And again, Paul is speaking to people in the church at Corinth. This isn't, uh, this isn't a condemnation of everybody in the world. This isn't to go, you know, don your placards and go... So, you know, God hates adulterers, God hates fags, you know, God hates robbers and thieves and, and, um, um, why Jerry 42 minutes ago, <laughs> uh, you know, cause people on the, uh, that are on the broad road of destruction are going to do people, the world are going to do worldly things. Um, it's not this. Paul's message is not to them. Yes, um, tell people about the gospel, but as far as a condemnation, that is reserved for people in the body, or at least amongst the fellowship, those who call themselves believers, people that call themselves a Christian. Um, as we read in Galatians, if anyone, you know, if a brother is overtaken any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Again, it's not to come to them in condemnation, but tell them what's what, you know, in a spirit of gentleness, but in truth and love, hope to set them straight. And well, Paul's being, he's kind of being kind of straight here. Well, yeah, because he was absent and was writing this letter. And if you read Second Corinthians, he's you know he has this sorrow that you know he upset them with his letters. You know that he's been harsh, but he says he rejoiced because they repented with you know godly sorrow. He caused them sorrow, but it was godly sorrow because it led them to repentance. Um. Anyway, again. So those who are outside the body, we pray for them. It's it's not ours to to judge nor condemn. I think when they want to alter our lives by it and say, "Well, you have to you have to participate in this sin by approving it, celebrating it," you know, etc. It's like, no, draw the line there. Uh, no, uh, I don't. Um, but you know what they do with themselves, you know, consenting adults, if you will. I mean, that's, that's between them and God ultimately. But again, someone who calls themselves a believer, then it's our duty. 
our biblical responsibility uh, to bring correction uh, in a spirit of gentleness um, and uh, pray that they be willing uh, to, to correct their ways. All right, 20 minutes after the hour, I've gone too long. I appreciate you hanging with me, those that you have and those in replay. Again, hashtag replay in the comments. Uh, just so we know that uh, you were on board and let us know if you got anything out of it. And with that, I pray that the Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Remember to be bold. Stand up and go with God. Why? Because he loves you. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Master Yeshua, Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Get to know him and his love and let him rule your life. All right, cue up, cue up that outro. Good night. God bless. Goodbye.